Well, Father, we just thank you that we've had this opportunity this morning where we could gather in your name. We don't come because of us this morning. Whatever's going on in our life, it can take a back seat. Jesus, we've come to seek your name. We've come to lift you up in this place. We thank you that whatever the problem is, Jesus, you are the answer. Everything that we need in this life is found inside what you have done for us, what you have given, and where you are seated right now. I thank you that you are seated on the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. I thank you that I have been raised up and made to sit together with you in heavenly places. I thank you that you bore stripes on your back and that because of those stripes, we are healed. We thank you that it's not our righteousness and not our good works that have made us be able to step into heaven. We thank you that it's because of your righteousness and we receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. It's good to remind yourself that it is about Jesus. It is. It is about Jesus. Everything else is unimportant. He brings everything else into perspective. And so this morning, I, I, we need to remember that when, even when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, it is still all about Jesus. You know, I came across a great quote this week um, from A.W. Tozer, who is a classic Christian author. And uh, about uh, 80 years ago, he was speaking to the students at Wheaton College, and he told them this. He said, the more you know of the Holy Ghost, the better we will know Jesus. And we cannot know Christ at all, really, except we know him by the Holy Ghost. And so when, when we lift up the whole, and talk about the Holy Spirit, the focus should always be brought back to Jesus because he wants the focus there. And so even this morning as we go on to this next section of our series on the Holy Spirit, which I'm calling Gifts Galore, and uh, we're going to be spending a few weeks on this, we got to remember it is about Jesus. And so back in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, where we were last week, it said, verse 1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So it's not one or the other, it's both. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. The last verse of chapter 12 says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And so Paul's saying, not saying ignore these things, he's saying desire them, pursue them, and that's why he started this entire part of the conversation with them. As he's writing to the church at Corinth, he gets a few chapters in, he's, he's putting things in order, and he starts a new topic with them in chapter 12, and he says, now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. And so we've told you that that word gifts is not actually there. It's in italics, which means it was added by the translators for ease of understanding. So it says, now concerning spirituals, or now concerning the things of the Spirit, now concerning how he operates and how he works, I don't want you to be ignorant. And so this is a strong statement. It's not like Paul saying, well, it's kind of important or whatever. He says, no, if, you, if you're going to be ignorant about something, don't let it be this topic. And so we said that with that word ignorant there, there's two different ways that it can be interpreted. The first one is to not know, which comes through lack 
of information. But the second type of ignorance means to ignore. And it comes through disinclination. Now that's a big word, and it basically just means lack of interest or enthusiasm. And I think that's a great way to break it down. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant because you seem to have no desire or interest or enthusiasm about these things. Now, talking about the church at Corinth, they're not in this category. They had a lot of enthusiasm for the gifts of the Spirit. They had a lot of interest and desire for them, so much that Paul was having to write and bring things back into balance and get the focus where it needed to be. And so when it comes to the ignorance side of of, uh, the first of the Corinthian church at Corinth they they weren't didn't have a lack of desire but as we look across the body of Christ there is a major lack of desire to see these things and to flow in these things and a lot of uh, what we call Christianity and religious mindsets are saying these things don't happen anymore so we shouldn't even focus on them that would fall into ignorance and so when it comes to the two types of ignorance, we can help you with the first kind, right? The lack of information, the lack of understanding. That's why we're 14 weeks into a series on the Holy Spirit because the Bible has a whole bunch to say about it and we should know what it says, know what to, what to expect, understand what he wants to do through you and to you and for you so we can help you with the first type of ignorance, but I can't do anything about the second type of ignorance ignorance. I can't make you desire the things of the Spirit. I can't build up your enthusiasm. The only thing I can hope is to inspire you to want to grab hold and work with what the Holy Spirit has provided for you. Amen? Amen. And so if we want to see this second type of ignorance at work, we can look to Romans chapter 2 verse 4 where it says, "Or, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. And that word not knowing is the same Greek word that Paul uses for ignorance. And the way that it is applied in this verse is, are, are you despising the goodness of God? Do, do you not understand his long-suffering? Have you chosen to ignore that the goodness of God leads people to repentance? And that's at work a lot in the body of Christ these days, that they, they want to talk about all the things that you need to change. But he says, don't you understand it's the goodness of God? Or are you ignoring the fact that God's goodness is what leads to repentance? It's what leads people to change their minds. You can tell someone to do something all day long, but until they want to change, they will not change. You know, we all know the, the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And that's the same way. You can't make someone else change. But you know what you can do? Show them the goodness of God. Let it become desirable for them. Remind them of how much God loves them, the plan that he has for them, the goodness that he's already poured into their hearts, the love that he sheds, sheds to them every day. And so when we use the word ignorance there, I don't want any of you, when it comes to this, the subject of the gifts of the Spirit or the Holy Spirit, to stand in the place of ignorance, and neither does Paul. So back to verse 1. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know 
that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols however you were led. And I, I told you last week that Paul's bringing focus to that. He's like, you guys have stood in deception, right? He's, he's reminding them that the, you, you once, once served idols. You served gods that weren't gods. He's like, and so what he's wanting to bring focus to is the Holy Spirit is the great illuminator against deception. We shouldn't have to wonder what we should do or who's telling the truth and who's not telling the truth. The Holy Spirit brings illumination. He's like the great beacon. He's like, go this way. It's the right way. And so you don't have to be deceived. You don't have to be led away. The Holy Spirit is a giant beacon for you. Verse 3 says, Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so when the Spirit is working, He will always lift up Jesus. He will not lift up you. He will not lift up others. He will lift up Jesus. And so it's pretty easy to find out what spirit someone is of. If they're pointing everything to Jesus, you've got a pretty good idea that it's the Holy Spirit. If it's starting to become all about them and what they've done, how good they are or what they can do for you, it's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always lift up Jesus. Why? Well, John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus, he gets lifted up. The Holy Spirit points you to Jesus because that's the only way you can be saved. That's the only way that you can find life. No other way except through Jesus. I like what Peter said in 1 Peter 4, verse 10. He says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The manifold just means the many sides of the grace of God. Verse 11 says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom belongs all glory and dominion forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. He still belongs all glory and dominion right now in this age, in the time that we live in. Jesus deserves all glory and all dominion. And if you want to stand in the place of glory, man, what happens to a prideful person? It says pride comes before a fall. But it says those who humble themselves under the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up he will exalt you in due season so all dominion all glory belongs forever and ever and ever and ever to jesus and the one that got caught up there there's a word missing and it's the word amen which means so be it let it be established let it be done it is about jesus and the holy spirit will always point towards him Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you so loved the world that you sent Jesus. Hallelujah. That whoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you for Jesus. 
Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We make much of the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in verse 4 it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Lord. Now, four verses in, we are now finding the first place where the word gifts is actually there. And so he says there is diversities of gifts. What gifts is he talking about? What does he mean when he uses the word gifts? Well, it is the word charisma, which is where we get our word grace. It comes from the word charis. Charis is the root word. And so this is an offshoot of charis. And so if, when he's talking about there are differences of gifts, he's saying there are different outflows of grace. And this is very important when we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit that we understand that they are outflows of grace. Now grace, charis, the root word, in its basic definition means unmerited and undeserved favor. We call, say it's things that you could not do for yourself that he did for you. And so when we use the word gifts as charisma, it's a favor which one receives without any merit of his own. And so the gifts of the Spirit do not flow because you are something. The gifts of the Spirit don't flow because you're spiritually mature. Now that's, that's a shock for a lot of Christians. Well, because you think that if I was just like, you know, this good Christian, then they would work. Well, you know that the church at Corinth was actually pretty spiritually immature? but had abundance of gifts flowing because the gifts aren't about you. They're about the one the Holy Spirit is trying to minister through you too. And so you can have your life falling apart and still the Holy Spirit will work through you to get to someone else. You know, I love this story that uh, one of my instructors had told us. He said he was, his life was falling apart he just had, uh, his father had just passed away. He, he had, uh, the church that he was working for shut down. He lost his job. He, he was just like, everything was falling apart. And he's like, God, I just don't know if I can continue on in the ministry. And uh, so through a friend, he got him hooked up that he was going to go work with Reinhard Bonnke for a year. And I'm like, hey, that's a great place to go and, you know, get things sorted out. And as he was on his way to fly over, I think I believe he was in Europe at the time, and he was on the eastern, eastern, east coast of the United States. There was a major snowstorm hit, and he was stranded at the airport. And so he goes to the only hotel he could get to, and uh, he's like, "There's nobody else there. The entire eastern seaboard is shut down." And so I'm up in my room, and I'm like, I'm swallowing in my depression. He figures, maybe I should read my Bible. And it's like, he's like, nothing was working fine. He's like, fine, I'm just going to go downstairs. I'm going to get a meal. I'm going to sit down, and I just want to be by myself. And so he goes down into the little bar cafe that they have in the hotel, and he sits down. He's the only one in the bar restaurant except for this piano lounge singer. And as he's sitting down in his chair in the corner, the piano player's like, feelings, nothing. He's like, that's the last song I want to hear today. 
And uh, the, finally, the, the lounge singer says, thanks for being with us tonight, folks. And again, he's the only one in the room. He's like, I'm just going to take a, take a few minutes break, and we'll be right back up. And uh, the guy gets up. He grabs his drink off the top of the piano. He wanders over, and, and he comes up to his table. And he says, do you, do you mind if I, if I have a seat with you? And he looks up. He's like, seriously? In this entire thing, he's like, you want to come and sit with me? He's like, I just want to be alone. And he's like, fine, yeah, yeah. And he kind of kicks the chair out, and he sits down. And the guy says to him, he says, you know, son, I feel that God would have me to tell you that it's going to be okay. And he said, he just broke, and he started to weep. He's like, here I am, the only one in the, this, this hotel, and this man has a message from God for me that it's going to be okay. And he says to the guy, he says, are you a Christian? And he goes, nope, but I just felt like God would say that to you. <laughs> and got up from the chair and went and sat down. And I was like, what? You're telling me you just got a message from God that completely was what you needed from somebody who wasn't even a Christian? And you think, wait, if he could speak through a donkey in the Bible, he can use you. <laughs> and so the gifts of the Spirit don't flow because you're something. They are outflows of God's grace. And if you'll just let yourself be the vessel just let him use you. You'll see the gifts of the Spirit flow more because he's got assignments he will put you on. He's got people that are hurting all over the place that one word from you could change their life. So the gifts of the Spirit are outflows of grace from the God of all grace, the same grace by which you are saved, and they are ministered by the Spirit of grace. That's another word that the Bible uses for the Holy Spirit. It calls them the Spirit of grace. And you've received grace. You have received grace. You know, Ephesians 2.8 says that for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift or a present from God. He can give you a present, but he can't make you open it and use it. You know, I love Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. By faith, you have access into the grace in which you already stand. You don't have to make the grace of God flow to you. You're already standing in it. And so when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit and the things that He would have done, it's about getting yourself out of the way and not about getting Him to move because He wants to move more than you want Him to move. So there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. It's meaning there's different ways that He works, but it's all the same Holy Spirit. Now, verse 5 is where I want to camp out for a little while today. It says, there are differences of ministries, but it's the same Lord. Now, when we think of the word ministries, we think of, you know, pastors and teachers and missionaries and stuff like that. We think of, we think of okay, it's one of the five-fold ministries. But the word that is used for ministries there is the diakonia, which means service or ministering. And it literally just means in its simplest to execute the commands 
of another. Now, if we think about this in our political context, we call them like, you know, the minister of the environment or the minister of agriculture because they're supposed to be executing the commands of another and the another is you. And so that's where we can see how broken the systems have become. They're supposed to be working on our behalf. But when it comes to you as a Christian, you're supposed to be working on God's behalf. You are his minister. You doesn't matter if you're, if you're in the, 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 act, the five-fold ministry. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a prophet or an apostle. You have been called to the ministry. You have been called to execute the commands of another. And the another that we follow is God who gives us his instructions and he works it through the Holy Spirit. I love Ephesians 4, 7. It says, but to each one, everyone say each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift and therefore he says we when he ascended on high he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men and in verse 11 we this is the fivefold we usually talk about he gave himself some to be apostles some to be prophets some to be evangelists some to be pastors and some to be teachers and so this is what we call the fivefold these are the ones that when if you were say or are you in the ministry you're expecting that you're talking about one of these but these are just part of the ministries that God has placed into his church. He gave gifts unto men, and unto each one of us grace was given. And so each one of us is just not me. Each one of us is you and 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 you. Each one means all. And the reason why he gave the five is he says in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And so the purpose of the fivefold is to raise up the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. Not to do all the work of the ministry, but to raise up the entire body for the working of the ministry. For the strengthening or the building up of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. Now let me ask you this question. Have we all come to the perfect measure and stature of the fullness of Christ? No, then we're all still ministers. We're all still, still supposed to be raising people up. We're all supposed to be releasing people into the work of the ministry. And it says that we should no longer be children or spiritually immature, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. We shouldn't be tossed all over the place. We shouldn't be like, oh, is that what that person really saying true? Or what about this person over here? No, we're supposed to be building each other up so that deception is easily noticeable. And he says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, the whole body, remember the Holy Spirit has placed you into the body? The whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. The body of Christ is weak 
without what you supply. Oh, come on. The body of Christ is weak without what you supply, without the gift that's been given to you, without the measure of grace that has been given to you, because each one has been given grace. It says, according to the effective working by which every part, there's that word where all of us, does its share and causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And there's a mindset within the body of Christ that says, Pastor, grow the church, grow the church, grow the church. But it says when every part does its share, it causes growth. I can't grow this church. Only we can grow this church. When every part does its share, does its part that it's been called to, uses the grace that has been given to you, you know, we can see this again reflected back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We were in the first few verses, but if we drop down to verse 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these into the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, but now we see the, the list differs here in 1 Corinthians. After that, miracles. After that, gifts of healings. After that, helps after that administrations after that variety of tongues and so we see it's not just about the fivefold there are other parts and positions and god knows that we need helps in the body of christ look at the early church they they said it's not good that we should be leaving the word of god in prayer to serve tables so they raised up seven waiters filled with the holy ghost in order to fill that position of helps and then from those positions of help, we have Stephen the martyr who worked miracles among the people. And he spoke with such boldness that they stoned him in the street. And then we have Philip who was one of those waiters filled with the Holy Ghost who then became Philip the evangelist. And he went down and preached the word of God in Samaria and people began to get healed and saved. And so every one of us is called to a place. There's places of helps that only you can fill. There's places of administrations that only you can fill. There's gifts of healing, and after that, miracles. There's varieties of tongues. Oh, come on, don't sound so thrilled. There are places that only you can, be fill, can fill because you have a gift. You have received grace, and the body of Christ grows when we're all in our place. Now, Romans chapter 12 reflects this as well. It says in 12 verse 5, so we being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And so what I do is not what you do, and what you do is not what I do. We all have grace differing. And it says, let us, the, you, us use them. If with prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. In he who teaches, in teaching. In he who exhorts, 
in exhortation. I like that one. That's someone who is, they're, they're all about um, edifying, lifting up, speaking comfort and encouragement to people. You know, Pastor Wendy definitely stands in the place of exhortation. Whenever I ask her to preach, she comes up with like 15 pages of notes and she doesn't look at them once because when she gets up here, her heart just starts to move and she's like, I just need to encourage in this area. I just need to strengthen in this area. The gift of exhortation just begins to flow. I don't need her to teach. We can do that in other ways. But when someone stands in their gift, in what God has calling, it brings joy to them and it brings joy to the body. So in he who exhorts in exhortation, in he who gives with liberality. And so there's gifts of giving, people who God will prosper just to finance the work of the kingdom. Because it's one of his gifts that he's given. It says, in he who leads, let him do it with diligence. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so there are different parts. It's not just about the fivefold ministry. There are many differences of ministries, but it's the same Lord, and we all have a part. Your part is needed. Your part is necessary. Amen? And in verse 6, it goes on to say, and there are diversities of activities, which means effective operation. When the Holy Spirit moves in different ways, it has different effects based upon what is needed at the time. It says, but it is the same God who works all in all. And so all of the gifts don't all have the same outcome because we don't always need the same thing to happen. We need what is necessary in that moment, what is needed, what is important. And verse 7 says, but the manifestation or the expression of the Spirit is given to each one. Everyone say, each one. Not some not the odd one. It's given to each one. That's me, that's you, that's your neighbor. The expression of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, when we hear the word profit, we automatically think of the word of money because, uh, oh, what are the profits of your business? But this word has nothing to do with money. This word profit is the word symphiro, which means to bring together or to carry with others, to contribute in order to help. Now, Toph, come here. If I ask Toph to carry this with me, what is your expectation? Is your expectation that I'm going to do this? And he stands there and does nothing? No. When we say we're going to carry together, we're going to go that way. We carry together, meaning we both share the load. We both do part of the work. And so when he says the expression of the Spirit is given to each one for the bringing together of all, for the sharing of the load, for the contribution of us all to the whole. And he goes on to now say what we call the nine gifts of the Spirit. Now, I don't believe at all that this is an exhaustive list. This is just a, uh, Paul trying to bring some definition to what they were seeing. But there's many other ways that the Holy Spirit will, will operate and work through. And when, though we may, he breaks them up into nine separate ones, we often see a lot of them flowing together at the same time. You can have a word of wisdom that comes through a prophecy. 
or the same, the same way with a word of, uh, word of knowledge. And so they often flow together. It's not always just one singled out by itself. And so he says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. And so he kind of brings definition to, to nine different ones. And over the next few weeks, we're going to break them down, talk about what they mean and how they often work. We'll look at examples of when they were used in the Bible, because you should be able to see them at work, right? If Paul says this is something that has happened, we should see the example of it. And so we'll break them all down. But regardless of what gift flows, it says, but the one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually. That's the word again, each one, not just some, to each one individually as he wills. Now, when we often read this verse and we hear, as he wills, we get the idea get, usually gets brought in that it's when he's in the right mood. When you've done things just right so that he's happy and that, okay, now he's ready to move. But that word has nothing to do with the mood of the Holy Spirit. It's the word that says to will deliberately or to have a purpose. The gifts of the Spirit flow when there's a purpose to be fulfilled. When there's a need that needs to be filled. How many of you know that pretty much everyone in this room has a need? How many of you know that everyone you come in contact throughout your week has a need? And so it's not that the Holy Spirit is waiting to get in the right mood. He's getting ready for the body of Christ to work with him so that he can reach those needs. So he can have that purpose fulfilled. When we stand before him as willing vessels. He divides what is needed. And that's why in... There we go. Get to it there. Come on. Come on. There we go. He says, earnestly desire the best gifts. What is the best gifts? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There's not one that's better than the other. The best gift is the one that's needed in that moment whether it be from the revelation gifts the word of wisdom the word of knowledge or the discerning of spirits whether it be from the inspiration gifts of prophecy tongues interpretation of tongues or whether it be of the power gifts the gifts of healing working of miracles or the gift of faith whatever one is needed is the best one for that moment but he says i show you a more excellent way and we told you that that way, he goes on to talk about love. The gifts of the Spirit don't flow out of your maturity. They don't flow out of how good you are. They flow out of God's love when you receive it and you're willing to give it. That's when the gifts of the Spirit flow. And so each one of us has a gift each one of us has a ministry. Each one of us can be used in ways that the other can't. Why don't you go ahead and say this with me? I'm willing. Holy Spirit, I'm open. My heart is moldable. 
I am pliable. Whatever needs to be done, I've got boldness. I've got an unction. I know exactly what needs to be done. Because when I'm in the moment, your spirit comes alive in me. And I open up my heart and I let it flow to others. Go ahead and say, I'm ready, I'm willing, and I go. So, Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your working in our lives, Holy Spirit. We open our hearts to be your vessels. And as Paul said to the Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So we are open, we are willing. saying, hey, my life is, uh, it's not all perfect. Hey, join the club. But whatever you're going through, he's got a need. He's got a, a fill, fulfillment of that need. And we just know the first place is Jesus. Jesus, we look to. We focus our eyes on you and not the problem. Because you are where all things flow from. And if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, now's the time to do it. It doesn't matter. Maybe you followed a long time ago and you say, I've walked away. You know what? Now's the time to turn back. He didn't walk away from you. Turn around. He's right there with arms open. And go ahead. Let's pray this morning, church. Say, Father, I ask for Jesus. I receive him into my life. I turn to him. And from all else, I receive that great gift. Now, maybe you're here this morning. You have other things you need prayer for. After we close the service, there's going to be some members from our work care team. They're going to be up here in the front. They would love to pray with you. They would love to agree with you. Whatever the need is, don't leave church without praying about it, about receiving prayer. Amen? Pastor Robin. Amen, amen, amen. Glory be to God. Well, it's offering time. It's prospering time. It's seed time and harvest time. Amen? Amen. So if you have your, uh, your offering ready, let's say this confession together to release our faith. This is my seed. I sow it into the kingdom of God. Seed, do what you do best, grow. I sow you